Big Business Briefs with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And this week I'm holding a report in my hands. It's very rare that I print something out to talk about on the podcast. But this week, something about the layout of this report just lent itself to being printed as opposed to being read on the screen. And it's a report from Udemy, Udemy Business. Is it Udemy? It's got a little hat over the U, so... Udemy. 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 Anyway, U-D-E-M-Y, Udemy Business. And it's a 2022 Workplace Learning Trends Report. And it's got some interesting stuff in there, I have to say. I found myself after having printed it out, walking around the office saying, did you know? And what do you think of the top five surging finance skills last year? And do you know what power skills are? And then everybody was hiding from me yeah, after a few oh God, she's here again. <laughs> she's carrying that report again. Um, so did you... Oh, yes, Heather's got it printed out too. Yeah, it, I started trying to read it. So it was downloadable. Um, I started trying to read it on, on, on my screen. But in the same way, it, it just felt like it needed to be printed out. So, um, so yeah, I've done the same. It's not terribly good for the planet, but I will be keeping this because I think there are lots of things to refer At to. At least I pl- uh, printed double-sided. Yeah, you printed in colour, I printed in black and white. I mean, what you know, where do we begin and end in terms okay. of... Okay, we'll stop pointing fingers now, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> what did you get from the report, Heather? Well, the report itself talks about... Um, it talks quite a lot about soft skills, which is the thing that I was really interested in. And I have always resented the fact that they were called soft skills. Yeah. And they reframe them. Yeah. For, for soft the, as in weak, yeah, as in... Not really mm, necessarily yeah. a bit meh. But actually, they talk about them being power skills. I really like that too. I think that's, yeah. that sits much more comfortably with me. Um, On the basis that, and I'm quoting here from the report... Power skills aren't just nice to have. They're essential for changing the workplace. Absolutely. And and it, as I say, it just it the word power just sits better. It talks about um you know which, which skills are most in demand. It, it talks about that through the whole report and it talks from a technical point of view, from a tactical point of view, and then from this this power skills point of view. Um but they, they say that they're now more urgent than ever because enabling employees to develop these power skills, which are the things like as you, communication, collaboration, leadership, um, then that that's the mechanism by which you will build a more agile and robust organisation. And it gives employees power at work. Yes. Hence the phrase power skills. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, so watch that space. Um, and, and they talk about how if you've got it, the right skills within an organisation, anything is possible. But you, it's something you need to revisit. Uh, and I think that a lot of organisations, I'm finding actually, that quite a lot of organisations are looking, I don't know if it's, it can't not be connected to COVID, but um, they are starting to think about investing in their staff. And there's a whole number of reasons why that that's being done but they seem more open to the idea that developing people puts people in control and then people feel empowered by that and therefore they and uh, one of the things i quoted as i was walking around the office holding my report is that business growth 
hinges on employee engagement. And part of engagement is feeling empowered in your work and feeling as if you're doing something worthwhile and that you've got the skills to actually do the job. So it's not just about making your employees feel happy. Your business depends on it. Yeah, yeah, totally. So in the report, they say that they're going to look at um, why power skills development is an investment they're going to look at how to mitigate the great resignation and we've already heard about people we've talked a lot haven't we about people wanting more work-life balance being more discerning in what they're prepared to accept yeah at work it's been given that awful phrase uh, the great resignation but i suppose it sort of says does what it says on the yeah, tin people yeah. leave on mass yeah. and, and the flip side of that is then you need to be the person that's trying to attract that talent that is looking in... The... Yeah, you don't want to be the one that they're resigning from, really, no, do you? No, um, They also look at having a, um, a, robust, a robust technical strategy um, is a good thing. And then also, quite interesting, some of the key skills that were in demand in 2021 on a global level across each of those different areas yeah, which is really interesting and that's where I was testing various people in the office as well so I, I imagine that my colleagues were glad to see the back of me this afternoon probably yeah, yeah. I imagine yeah. so maybe every afternoon I don't know but uh, today I get the distinct impression that they had very good cause to be glad to see the back of me so there's some research going back to this um, power skills thing there was some research done by uh, McKinsey uh, and they were looking at it doesn't really matter what sector, what position or the global um, area that people lives, live and work in. Every employee needs some foundation skills and they talk about those being um, necessary so that they can add value beyond what can be done by automated systems and, we, and intelligent machines. We know that, that, you know, AI is really, really significant, but sometimes... You do just, uh, at, at this stage in 2022, you do still need a human brain yeah. to intervene. Um, they it, they need to be able to operate in a digital environment and understand what that means. And they also need to be able to adapt to new ways of working and new technologies uh, because that's that's the way things are going. I um, As an aside, my brother is living in Japan at the moment and they were in a restaurant the other day and they sent a video of a robot delivering their food. And it was like a robot hostess trolley. <laughs> and it shuffled along, a bit like Metal Mickey, with the food on it. And then you took the food off of it. This is quite a while ago now, but we talked about something similar in San Francisco on the podcast, didn't we? So it's actually, it's actually your in, brother has in proved Japan. it exists. Is, yeah. my, my little niece said hello to it. It's not got a face. Good. She said hello to it. Okay. Anyway, I digress. But it's but it but it's it's just proving that you know some like you said something we have once talked about is now existing. And, and your little niece will take for granted moving forward. Yeah, where's the robot? Where's the robot with the food? <laughs> I'm not going to the shop. <laughs> Let me just uh, go back to you talked about um, things that um, computers can't do yet. Yes. Um, one of the things this report points out is that. An important thing for employees to consider is developing power skills that can't be replaced by machines. Yep. There are certain skills that the machine can do, 
And there are certain skills that the machine is a long way off being able to do. And it suggests that you, you put some effort into developing those skills. Okay. For, a, for example, empathy. Quite difficult for uh, AI to replicate empathy. Well, it would need, yes, it would need to have an awful lot of data presented in it would need it would need to do one of those things where it needs to it would decide how it would respond and then man would have to say yes that's 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 empathy yeah no, that's, that's not, not. they'd have Although, to do an awful lot of that wouldn't then they? again i can think of quite a few human beings that struggle with be the, empathy <laughs> be the worst person to try and um teach a machine yeah yeah i know who there we go so so the report goes on to, again, sticking with the power skills thing. And it says, okay, so what does this actually mean in terms of your organisation? And um, they then go on to show some of the surging communication and teamwork skills um, from 2021. And one that I thought was really interesting, the highest ranking one was assertiveness. Yeah, I thought that was... That was so 1980s. <laughs> yeah. But I wonder whether, because, we've again, we've talked about customers being more demanding mm. and less polite and yeah. perhaps a little bit more unreasonable in their expectations. So maybe people want think they want to feel more assertive because they feel that they're having to stand up or be stronger with customers. Or maybe it's that old chestnut of discerning the difference between aggression and assertiveness. Yes, yeah. You know, and, and that is something that you know, potentially you have to learn as you move through the workplace. Yeah. They can be confused, can't they? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean aggressive. So, so I thought that was that's two hundred and fifty percent percentage consumption growth compared from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. So that's a massive increase. And then the others are facilitation, team building, business writing and critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And I've been asked to do critical thinking training as part of a programme I'm working on at the moment. But if they look at 2017 to 2021, then assertiveness um, sits below Microsoft Teams. Yeah, which isn't on the list between 2020 no. and 2021. No. So whether it had just become... Yeah, they've sorted out. Maybe the big surge for teams was between 2019 and 2020. Yeah, it was a steep learning curve. It was for all of us, wasn't it, really? Um, Yeah, because I think a lot of those sort of things are fairly standard practice now. And and if you're in an environment where you might need to do online collaboration, then you've done it. Yeah. 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 So there we go. So that's... um... So that's from a communication and teamwork point of view, those power skills. But then the next one is leadership and management. What did you think about these stats? Yeah, I I focused on some of the tactical stuff rather than um, the leadership one. So what's the top there? Diversity and inclusion. Diversity and inclusion, yeah, yeah, 205%. Yeah, it's massive in the company I work for at the moment. So the, the training and the emphasis on making sure that we have a diverse uh, approach to work and we've got a diverse workforce um, I, we, we've talked about this again over the years haven't we about all the different types of diversity so it's not just about ethnicity and race it, it's about neurodiversity gender diversity age diversity mm. it goes on and on doesn't yeah. it and I think actually it's probably 
not before time that the spotlight is on this and the importance of, you know, before we just talk about you know, making sure that there's enough women on the board or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's a lot deeper than that. I, re- I read an article the other day that said that um, some of the companies whose CEOs are women have got the fewer fewest uh, number of females in the rest of the management team. Because uh, they've achieved, oh, well, yeah. our, our oh, CEO's a, a woman. Right. We don't need to bother with the rest. Anybody else. Yeah, yeah that is interesting. Disappointing, what, but interesting. Yeah. What did you think about leadership and management? So, yeah, so the um, the diversity and inclusion thing, yeah, absolutely. The second one was something I had to look up, and I don't know if I've been living under a stone or not, but it just said OKR. I was like, okay, R, R, okay, OKR, R, what is that? And... I didn't. I didn't come across this. So this is a bit like smart and all of those types of things. Objectives, key results, and initiatives. Objectives. Where do I need to go? Key results. How do I know I'm getting there? That's your measurable bit. And initiatives. What will I do to get there? Um, so 184 percent. Now whether they're just lumping it all together under OKR because that's um, that's a sort of catch-all i don't know yeah have you come across okr before? no i hadn't come across yeah. that term before and i did exactly the same as you and had to google it yeah um and it it seems a bit i suppose having been in management for a while it's like it's a bit bleeding obvious isn't it you've got to know what you're aiming for and yeah how you get there and, and what's expected but to be fair um when you're training somebody, you probably have to point that out, don't you? Yeah, and of course, let's not forget that some of this data will be if you if you decide that a category is called OKR and then put a description of what that actually means, then some people will say, Yes, I've had a lot of staff requesting Oh, so, fair enough, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I I don't know. You, I don't you know wouldn't have written down, Oh, I need some OKR training. No, I don't you didn't think know what so. it was. <laughs> yeah, precisely. But if seen if I saw it. And then the others are strategic thinking, problem solving, and management coaching. Again, um, all really interesting. But when we look at 2017 to 2021, the one that sits at the highest increase is strategic thinking. And that's got to be about getting staff to take ownership. Look at their KPIs. Look the at bigger what's... picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Take yeah. a step back. Yeah, and, and that's something that all um, managers should be able to do is is actually step back and and look at that strategic direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and, and okay, the team to do it. it as well, doesn't it? It's yeah, sort of the tactical side of yeah. it. Yeah, sure, sure. So I looked at the tactical stuff. Go on. So I looked at finance and accounting because the first victim of my walking around the office <laughs> with the report was uh, was an accountant. So I, I challenged them to come up with the top five surging finance skills in 2021. Um, didn't manage it. And I'm not sure I would have done either. So top of the list was cryptocurrency. Then algorithmic trading and day trading so they're all like whoa they're a bit woo woo um and obviously very relevant at the moment uh, but i was quite pleased to see that in finance accounting training in bookkeeping was still quite high yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and i'm not sure what training in solidity is i don't know is that not like viability liquidity but i I don't know. No, no. What is it? 
it, it's a program about blockchain. No way. Yeah. So you can't accept a word on face value anymore. No, no. It's okay. a programming language for blockchain platforms. Okay. So um, I would never have known that. Quite naturally, my uh, my finance uh, victim when I was walking around the office was like, "Oh." <laughs> cryptocurrency algorithmic trading day trading bookkeeping yeah i'm fine with that one yeah and solidity was all the am i'm solid um, no. but can you can you um, program blockchain platforms right. okay yeah okay so it made me glad i wasn't in finance anymore if i'm perfectly honest <laughs> um but going to an area that i am working in and that's hr and talent talent development it didn't come as a surprise that top of this talent development last year was online course creation yeah i think yeah. a lot of companies have had to think about how to do that um, rather a generic title for um for the next category human resources like, yeah yeah <laughs> okay uh, manager training yeah i agree with that i'm in, in the middle of doing that those sorts of programs myself instructional design and employee performance management. So not, none of them had quite the meteoric increases some of the, the previous um, categories we've talked about, but none of that surprised me, really. Uh, recruiting isn't in the list for last year, um, but it has been in the list between 2017 and 2021. What did you think about HR? Yeah, I mean, the online course creation, of course, you know, um, I, I think that the um, the other thing, human resources, is because HR through COVID again and through um, increased protected characteristics in terms of diversity has become more complex on a on a day to day operational level. So you know we've already talked about you know menopause policies, you know sickness absence policies in the light of COVID. So there's been much more demand because I think organisations have gone, God, we don't really know what we're doing. We've literally got a bit of a handbook. And when it comes to changes, we don't, we're not robust enough. So I, that, I'm not surprised at that, to be honest. Well, it's, it's quite a good report, isn't it? Anyway, I think uh, yeah. in, in summary, the best thing you can do is download. It's a free report. Uh, Udemy Business uh, Workplace Learning Trends Report for 2022. You just have to give them your name and email address, but you can opt out of having further information sent to you if you want to and uh, have a read and see how it impacts on your business. At the back of the report, it does say, and what does this mean for business? <laughs> so if you haven't already worked it out for yourself, uh, then it gives you some pointers at the end. But Good spot. You spotted that one, Heather. Did I? You did. Oh, get a gold star. Well done there. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, so on to our review, which you spotted. Yes, I did. Um, this is because um, of one part of the title. So it's called The Freelance Introvert. So I wasn't personally interested in freelancing. I've had my time doing freelancing. Yeah. I'm not doing it at the moment. But I admit I'm an introvert and Heather's an extrovert. And I thought, yes, this would be interesting to see if we view this book differently to each other. Um, and I'm not saying that one or other introvert and extrovert is bad. I just no. have introvert characteristics. 
Heather has extrovert characteristics. And I think the way we sum this up best is I spend time with people and I enjoy it. However, I have to spend time on my own to recharge. How would you describe I spend time yourself? with people and I enjoy, I enjoy it. And then I want to go and find some more people to be with because I, I feed off. So we've said before, the idea of working from home during lockdown on my own that's why I have a serviced office, yeah. so that I will see other people. You know, there is somebody on reception. Um, you can always go and knock on somebody's door and say if you hello. Wanna, yeah, exactly. Or you bump into <laughs> them in the loo or whatever. That's not to say, actually, that when I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm really, really busy, that I don't need some downtime, but it's not because of the interaction with people. It's usually because my head's full of, I've got to write this, I've got to do my paperwork. It's, it's that stuff. Yeah, that I find more challenging, certainly not being with people. And I would add at this point, and the book does underline it, uh, that it's uh, it's a good idea to do a Myers-Briggs Types Indicator Test. I just happen to be sitting next to a facilitator who does this. <laughs> and if you wanted to find out a little bit more about your personality type, and it, and it is from this sort of perspective, is it? Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, it, it's about... I mean, gosh, there are all sorts of Myers-Briggs reports that you can do. But I think where Myers-Briggs comes in and where this book comes in, it's identifying and recognising what you've just said. And if you want to grow a business as a freelancer, it's you. And, you know, the book talks about this. So you're going to have to go out there somehow and get business. And that's what I used to find. So I've run businesses. I've been a freelancer. I haven't, like, I'm not shy. I don't sort of hide and not talk to people but I I recognize that if I've booked out a morning to do networking then I know that I have to have the afternoon to to just recharge yeah Yeah. Yeah. so that's how it works sorry I I need to give the name of the author of this book it's Tom Albrighton and what I love about the cover is it's essentially somebody on a laptop with their headphones on in a zip-up sort of onesie duvet (laughs) thing, which I kind of, to me, that is just how I imagine most introverts like to be, in their sort of safe, zippy-uppy onesie with their laptop headphones on, focusing on what they're doing. Yeah, and this is where I I went through the whole list of things, like if you're this, this, this and this, then you're an introvert. And I picked out, uh, I highlighted some of the things, but by no means was that the full list. So... um, you know, I have introvert elements to me. I may be an ambivert. I don't yes, know. Yes, yes. Um, but sort of things, I, I sometimes I just need to be alone. It is true. Um, if I spend too long with people, I start to feel strung out and off balance. Uh, I spend a lot of time reflecting on my own thoughts and feelings, so I know myself pretty well. Um Research, uh, oh no, I get anxious before going to pretty much any meeting or social occasion, even if it's with old friends. And that is true. It's not like an anxiety that I can't manage, but it's not like a, yeah, I'm going for this. There's that, I'm going to think this through and then prepare myself for it, even if it's with people I know. Um, But there was a massive long list of other things as well that I... No, not really, not really. Um, but that didn't mean to say that the book wasn't relevant to me. No, and I think also um, he he talks about the fact that, you know, just because you are introvert, and I hesitate, you know, 
that you are an introvert. That's a bit, that's, I don't, I don't like labels really. But if your default setting is introversion, then, um, a lot of the work that you do and, and could do as a freelancer is done on your own. For example, if you're a designer, you do stuff on your own. If you're a salesperson, you meet clients alone. If you're a craftsperson, you, you create your handiwork alone. And if you're a writer, you tap out your drafts alone. So it doesn't mean... Yeah, and the author was saying about um, an example of this is when he worked in a company and they used freelancers to come in and he just loved the freedom that they had. They could come in, give some contribution, but didn't have to stay working in the team. Yeah. They just came in and left. Yes. Yeah. And he, he, he was craving that himself, wasn't he? It was that, yes. That's the sort yeah, of that was a very attractive proposition. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, he also talks quite early on about, you know, the positives that you that you're self-motivated. Um, you don't need to get your energy from other people. That in itself is huge, you know, for all the reasons why, it, you know, it's not good for me to be on my own because I'll get distracted by all sorts of shiny things. Um, so so he, 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 he very much focuses on the strengths and the positives. This isn't about... Um, the, this isn't suggesting that you can't be an, an introvert and be a freelancer. It's actually saying... These are the reasons why you make a really good freelancer. Yeah. And then these are the other bits that you might want to think about. Yeah, because I, I guess that some people might might be considering, oh, I, you know, I could I could work for myself, but oh my God, that means I've got to go and win business. I've got to go and network. I, I've got to see clients. And, and what I like is he puts a positive spin on why that is such a good thing. I mean, the nature of selling these days it's changed from years ago, hasn't it? It's it's not about talking at people. It's about listening to what they need. Yeah. Introverts are brilliant at yeah. listening normally. Yeah. Sweeping generalisation, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and if nothing else, they won't be talking over the client. <laughs> like somebody who gets overexcited, like Tigger. <laughs> So, yeah, I liked it. Also, I, I would say, and I, I felt really strongly about this as I got further through the book, is that, okay, it's directed at introverts who want to be freelancers, but there's a lot of good stuff in there about how to be successful as a freelancer that you could take on board as an extrovert as well. I think you can learn no matter what your personality type is. There's some good advice on how to freelance in the book. Yeah, because he talks about getting set up. He talks about marketing yourself and what that means. And, of course, you know, as, as an introvert, one thing, as an extrovert, okay, maybe slightly different. But setting and agreeing prices, building confidence. Even extroverts um, need, you know, get nervous. It's, yeah. not, it's, it's They're not overly bullish. He talks also about, um, he sort of talks about the universe, you know, and um, thinking about, Choosing your beliefs and thinking about what sort of business you're going to be, and um, you know, do you want to work at home? Do you want your own office? You can travel, attract opportunities. You know, set out your store really. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a really good book. It's not. It's only 150 pages. It's not. It's free on Kindle Unlimited at the moment. Yeah, uh, and we talked about reframing soft skills. Yeah just now well actually in a way I, I found this was a reframing of what it means to be an introvert 
Uh, and, and one of the important phrases I highlighted was um, that introverts can win too. So you tend to think of your typical winner yeah. as an extrovert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it says in here, you don't see Hollywood films where the heroes and the heroines are quiet, withdrawn, thoughtful. Um, and, you know, they're, they're loud, action-oriented, yeah. uh, outgoing. So actually, introverts can win as well, but in their own different slightly different way yeah but he also he mentions early in the book um so albert einstein introvert emma watson bill gates uh christine aguilera meryl street elon musk and warren buffett they're introverts there you go in fact world domination well, just quietly just, just, yeah just quietly without yeah. making a fuss yeah I'd be more likely to be all guns blazing going and then trip over something so yeah I, I think it's a, it's a book well worth getting it's a no brainer if you've got um, Kindle Unlimited just get it download it um, highlight the things that you think are relevant to you um, but even if not if you are an introvert and you're considering um, freelancing even if you're an extrovert and you're considering freelancing have a read because I think there's some real good tips in there. So that's the freelance extrovert. Work the way you want without changing who you are by Tom Albrighton. Lovely. So it's on to profile time. And this week we're profiling a lady who um when we saw when we saw who she was, what did we do? <laughs> Yeah, and then wanted to eat popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> and for those of you who aren't old enough to recognise that <laughs> dreadful sound we just made, uh, that, that's the theme tune-ish of Pearl and Dean, uh, the advertising company uh, that advertises in cinemas. And the lady we're talking about is called Catherine Jacob, and she is CEO of Pearl and Dean. And uh, I, I've got to say that uh, having read her profile a bit, I, I, like, I want her job. Yeah. <laughs> I like the sound. Well, the way she describes it, maybe not the day-to-day stuff. What? Well, what does she? Um... Well, in one interview um, with oystercatchers.com, um, they ask about um, her work, and the best thing about your job is, well, I get paid to go to the cinema and watch films. That yeah. suit me. Yeah, but do you have to watch ones that you really don't like, though? I suppose. But she does say that the people um, that she works with, she admires, and they're great colleagues. So that's good too. But does she like? Does she cry as much as you do at the cinema? Nobody cries as much as I do at the cinema. So there we go. Moving on. <laughs> Catherine Jacob. I don't know why we found her. What? Why did we find her? Was she on one of the lists we looked? I at? think she was. Yes. Great British businesswoman. I think she was. She a speaker or a former speaker or something? Yeah, I think that's where we found her. Uh, and like me, she was the first girl in her family to go to university. Fantastic. Fantastic. She, it, it sounds like she didn't really know what she wanted to do. She did get into... Like me. Like you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she's trodden quite a path. She started out as a journalist, um, but, you know, wasn't even though she worked for the Daily Telegraph and Virgin Radio... Um, she, well, she is, she, journalism isn't really her thing. And she has fingers in quite a lot of pies. So not only is she um, involved with 
Pearl and Dean, which came about because of her involvement with Virgin Radio, because um, they're part of a... They're all lumped together, aren't they? A group. A group, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. so there we go. Ginger Media Group. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is called Big Business Briefs, Heather. I know. <laughs> same um, biography, one lovely line. She's married with two children and one of them thinks that she sells pick and mix for a living. I love that, yeah. <laughs> At the cinema. <laughs> and the biography we're talking about is Speakers for Schools, which is a nice website in itself, yeah. actually, and we might have to have a little dig around in there later as well. One thing, I, I did watch a little video where she was being interviewed by um, a lady who was reading the questions which was a little disturbing but anyway um disconcerting but um she seems like a real human being mm. she just seems like a real person and i thought that was i mean obviously she is a real person but <laughs> i quite liked her style so you've had confirmation that she is a real person um i i i can further underline that because i i do tend to try and look for the articles where there's interviews about, you know, where, where you like to go shopping or what you like to eat and things like what's in your handbag, that sort of thing. And I found an interview from last February um, on oystercatchers.com. And that's the one where she says that uh, she um, gets paid to go to the cinema mm-hmm. and watch films for a living. Um, and a couple of the other things she's got in here. Um, if you had a superpower, what would it be? I love this response. What makes you think I don't have a superpower? Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> um, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, she, When she was very young, she wanted to work in forensics, but it appears she wasn't very good at science, so she didn't go down that route. Do you remember what you wanted to be when you were young? I think I wanted to be bossy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tick. No, when I was very young, I think I did want to be a teacher. Yeah. Um, Because you role model on the people that you see around you, don't you? Yeah. And then then when I had to really think about what I wanted to do, I wanted to be a midwife. But I just didn't get the grades and I was just lazy. Oh. I wanted to be an architect, but I never pursued it. Oh, wow. It takes a very long time, longer than being a doctor. Yeah, I, I never wanted to be a doctor. So squeamish. Architect, wow. Mm. I, I never went anywhere near architecture as, as a career, but there we go. Um, um, the best piece of advice that you've received, and she says every bit of advice is useful, ultimately. It may just be that the timing or delivery isn't quite right. I think that's a good perspective on yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Um, who was your last email from? I, I'm not sure I'd remember who my last email was from. Um Maybe she looked it up before she answered the question. I think my last one was question. from me because I was forwarding something to myself. <laughs> Do you know the sad thing is? The last email I got was from me because I forwarded the links to these articles. Damn it, go. Um, well, it's not as exciting as, as Catherine's. That was from Sharon Lloyd Barnes from the Advertising Association. She doesn't say what it was about. Probably asking her if she fancies a glass of wine. Um, what's the most random thing on your desk? And she was working at home at this point of view. Um, I'm looking around Heather's desk, seeing if I can see what the most random thing on... Her desk is. Um, 
well, there's a gift bag there, but it's not for me, is it? That? No, it's for my mother. And random. <laughs> I can't say anything else <laughs> random. Uh, the most random thing on Catherine's desk at, at the point of this interview was a dog looking for treats. That's home working for you. Yeah. And what food outlet are you most looking forward to visiting when you're back in the office? So this is uh, during lockdown. Yeah. So um, and <laughs> I like this response to all of them. Um, she says the joy of not opening the fridge to be confronted by the remnants of your supposed meal plans brings joy to my heart Uh, so in in a number of ways I really get this woman (laughs) she's very personable she's I mean clearly being CEO of Pearl and Dean is a serious job but she also um, is the chair of the inclusion group um, which looks at um, equality and diversity in the workplace and I found an interview in Creative Brief um, that had been written by uh, Nicola Kemp. And she starts to talk about um, a questionnaire that the uh, that is being sent out, um, the all-in census, which is aimed to provide a benchmark to measure and track progress towards building a more inclusive industry. And, um, and Catherine Jacob is talking about this. And she she says that, you know, the reason that this is important is that we can then attract the best talent um, and and, you know, and that's that's a win win for a business. But but um, it, it goes on to talk about um, how the questionnaire works, why it's important. And there's one really interesting thing. She says. um Collaboration for change. She said, it's interesting to hear perspectives from across the industry. Everyone has had a tick box experience of diversity, but there is a real opportunity to learn from each other. For example, if you're going to write a menopause policy, why not steal Channel 4's brilliant one, she says. So, you know, what? So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, and if you don't have a head of HR or a big support structure, it can be really difficult to know where to start. But the whole idea around this research is that um, it demonstrates that the organisation takes diversity seriously, and that's a commitment to staff. Um, but also, it, it it shows that you know there's going to be a need for flexibility as we move forward because we have protected characteristics now that I wouldn't say didn't exist, but weren't even recognised as a thing. Never mind. Um, you know, added into a protected characteristic list. And there are going to be others, inevitably, mm. inevitably. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And she also talks, she's, um, she's written a book with another, la- uh, another lady called Sue Uneman and a guy called Mark Edwards, and it's called Belonging. Um, and it's, it's talking about diversity. Um, so that's a book that we might want to mm. have a look at at some point. Okay. I was just thinking of Michelle Obama, but that's becoming, isn't it? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I had that thought when I saw it. I was like, <laughs> hang on, you can't have the same title. That's um... Anyway, uh, the, the essence that she's saying is you can't have a one-size-fits-all. It's you know, The whole point is that um, everyone is unique. She says, you know, if you're a man who's got a partner or a person who has a partner that doesn't work your experience will be very different to two working parents, for example. Um, but that all of those people play an active role in supporting the business, but they need to be supported and um, and encouraged even in the, in the 
in their unique situation. So, so there we go. Um, that's um, that's the inclusion group, which is um, all around this um, all in census around the advertising association, of which our lady that we're reviewing today, Catherine Jacobs, CEO of Pearl and Dean. She's OBE, isn't she? I think she is. Yeah. Yeah, quite an interesting lady. Yeah, Catherine Jacob, OBE, CEO of Pill and Dean. And we've been Heather Noble and Tracy Jones of Big Business Briefs. And one of these days, we're going to get ourselves an outro. Yeah, maybe we could do it to the theme of Pearl and Dean. <laughs> I don't think I want to pay the royalties on that. Can I tell you an aside about Go going to the cinema with my mother years and years and years ago? Every time we went... They used to be, in Shrewsbury, there used to be an advert for an Indian restaurant, fine, and they used to be an advert for an optician's, and they used to, we used to just giggle so much because there would just be this lady in these glasses looking really, like... Weird. Weird. <laughs> and turning the camera. her face around so that we can see these glasses. And I still laugh about it today. <laughs> And was that a Pearl and Dean advert? I think it was Pearl and Dean in those days. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>